Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast goes out to Charles Kubitschek. Damien Sweet. And Craig Anthony Clark. You can join these super fans and the growing community of patrons at patreon.com slash major spoilers, where you can get early access to shows, original art, behind the scenes look at the, what goes on at major spoilers, and more exclusive content. It's all over there at patreon.com slash major spoilers. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Webhead transitions to Shellhead. Jamie Rays goes back to the future. A founding Avenger returns to the fold. The Harcourt legacy comes to a conclusion. Plus, Batman wa Nihon Iru. We swim through a void to hear the words, losing ourselves, but finding it all. But what is it? It's in your face, but you can't grab it because we're streaming on the internets and we're intangible. And the Major Spoilers podcast is on the metaphorical air. Welcome to issue 763 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. Oh, I'm so excited to talk <laughs> about the uh, the Batmanga series. Uh, that, was, that was it wasn't remastered. That certainly wasn't it, but it was collected and released in the United States for the first time. Uh, what is it, about five years ago, I want to say? Um, mm-hmm. Five or six years ago. I think it was Cannot 2015. Wait. Oh, really? Mm, man, yeah. I'd be surprised at that. But anyway, we'll talk more about that in the third segment. First, let us kick into some news. Do, 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 do. We have uh, no Dick Tracy after all. Dan Slott may leave Amazon, or is leaving Amazing Spider-Man with issue 801. And the Diamond Jim Awards have been announced. Spin that wheel of destiny. Let's see where we land. And there it lands on Dan Slott is leaving Amazing Spider-Man with issue number 801. Now, this is something that I think, I don't know. I follow Dan Slott on um, on uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. And this is mm-hmm. like a month ago or so, a couple of weeks ago. He sent yeah. out a tweet that said, I just turned in my last script for Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed that he meant like the final, final script. And I think maybe everyone else and maybe his actual meaning was the most recent script. Of Amazing Spider-Man. But then it turns out, right. no, with issue 801, Dan Slott is leaving Amazing Spider-Man and he will switch over to the Iron Man series. Yeah. Uh, and I even brought this up to you like last week, Matthew. I was like, oh, yeah, I think uh, Dan Slott's uh, leaving Amazing Spider-Man. You're like, I haven't heard anything about that. And then like yeah, two days later. Like the- 
two days later, he suddenly changed his icon from webhead to shellhead, and I was just like, yeah. "Oh crap!" Steven was right. Now I'm going to hear about it. <clears throat> yeah. So what do you what is what is your reaction? I mean, Dan Slott has been doing Amazing Spider-Man, not quite two hundred issues. About ten years. Yeah, it's it's been a long time, but it's it's pretty close to two hundred issues. I was kind of hoping he would go up that high. It's going to be uh, ten years, one hundred and eighty nine issues that he's written. I was kind of hoping he'd go up to issue two hundred. But uh, I guess when you're done, you're done. Yeah, and I think that it's it's kind of important that they don't stretch it and push it and try and hit an artificial milestone. Rather, you know, end it the way you want to end it. I think it's great for two reasons. One, I this is hard to say without sounding comic douchey, so bear with me. I don't like when people spend too much time on one book and it becomes their book and blurbity blurbity. And I get that, you know, Marvel comics started with 105 consecutive issues of Stan and Jack. That's fine. I get that, you know, ultimate Spider-Man was 104 issues of Bendis and Bagley. I get that. But I feel like after a while, as fans as nerds as people you're just like okay here we are in year 10 of claremont x-men don't get me wrong like claremont like x-men i wonder what claremont could do on heroes for hire and knowing that iron man which for me is at kind of a creative not necessarily a creative low point but an in-universe low point where things are all terrible and they have been terrible for so long I really want to see a new perspective on Iron Man. I really want to see Slot take what he's done, you know, the kind of the, the tone, the kind of hopefulness, the kind of things that I've seen in the Amazing Spider-Man run. And I hadn't been reading Spider-Man regularly since Roger Stern left in like 1986. And I have been checking in with Spider-Man on a pretty regular basis for like the last four or five years. So that's impressive. That's important. And I want to see that on Iron Man because I've always loved Iron Man, even though I always hate Iron Man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Rodrigo, any, any reactions to this? Uh, not really. I mean, I haven't been reading uh, Spider-Man in a long time. So this is all just kind of. Uh, came under my like just sort of like went under the radar for me but steven you actually had been reading spider-man right you kind of oh, got yeah. into back into spider-man through this run yeah yeah yeah, yeah. definitely um i it w- necessarily wasn't a brand new day when uh you know after civil war and and the whole hey i'm spider-man was was undone but it was shortly after that um yeah, that time. i started reading it and, big, time yeah, yeah, big time and i started reading a lot of that stuff going forward and Spider uh, Island, I know you were in on. Oh, yeah, I was totally into Spider Island. Then it was with the uh, Dan Slott talks about the big Spider-Man crossover that had every Spider-Man ever in it. Spider-Verse. Yes. Yeah, Spider-Verse. And he realized that I think that one broke his his brain because that's a point where he's like, you know what? Uh, there's a lot of keep track of with all this stuff and all these other people wanting mm-hmm. to fill in stuff. And I think it's time for me to start winding it down. But yeah, I, I most of the Spider-Man that I have ever read, except for the, you know, the classic stuff um, has all been Dan Slott. So it's going to be really yeah. weird to have someone else come on board and and write that stuff, even though I've read what Mark Wade uh, wrote some Spider-Man, uh, not necessarily yeah. amazing Spider-Man, but wrote some Spider-Man. So, you know, I've read other people take uh, on Spider-Man, but amazing right. Spider-Man that that's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be interesting once he's gone. Yeah. The fact that Slot contextualized 
and actually legitimized and made part of the continuity Takuya Yamashiro, the Japanese Spider-Man, mm-hmm. I will love him forever. I will follow <laughs> that man to the ends of the well, earth different because universe, right? Yamashiro Takuya He's amazing, and I love the fact that he's an emissary of hell, you guys. Spider-Man in Japan got his powers from hell, and he has a giant robot who's a leopard for some reason because theming. Yeah. Yeah. How can you not love that? You know what I want? That's what I want. I want a limited series with that guy. So we've got got a little while yet. I don't know what issue. I think it's 796 or something comes out this week. Uh, So we've got about – oh, actually, we don't have that much longer because – Amazing Spider-Man isn't a monthly thing. It's like still it's two times, three times uh, a month, three times a month. So, yeah, his run is going to come to an end uh, very, very quickly. Month or two. Yeah. By <laughs> April, I want to say. Oh, June. June is when it comes to an end. Uh, with oh, so issue that's still six months out. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. So the big question is with him over there at Iron Man, who do you think marvel's going to tap to bring us the further adventures of the amazing spider-man or do they just say you know what 801 issues of spider-man that's enough we we don't need to publish anymore are you no more spider-man maybe i don't know <laughs> i mean they can go over and do web of they could do spidey and his amazing friends maybe amazing uh, spider-man just sits on the shelf until someone really really wants to do that book yeah so who's going to come in and say yes um boy this is marvel so it's probably somebody who's going to be inevitably disappointing and you know maybe terrible i don't know i mean who's available i mean there are a lot of guys and this is the thing about modern marvel when you talk about they they recently released their list of uh new young guns yeah yeah. and i'm like i have no idea who that's because they're brand new it's it's kind of like um they're not brand new one of them's been working for marvel for like eight years and i don't know what he's done well it's it's kind of like that dc um new creators i forget what their program is called but uh they have some people that again have been working in in comics for years and who finally are being tapped by the company as the next big thing and being brought in that way. So I don't know. I, man, who could write a really, Ooh, Mike Mignola writing a 10 issue run of Spider-Man. I don't know that we're going to see any of the guys from our heyday. That would Mignola, be interesting. Burn, you know, you get burn in there. Yeah. Um, They're going to get a uh, Watson to write it. <laughs> Bendis, well, you know, if Gail, if Gail Simone wasn't, if Gail Simone wasn't doing Domino, I'd be like, oh, I'd read a Gail Simone Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, sure. Who is DC sending to Marvel in trade for Brian Bendis and an artist to be named later? Uh, well, Gail is doing the Domino stuff, though Though she's not exclusive. Yeah. yeah, Gail hasn't been exclusive to anybody in a couple of years. Gail's all over the place. I don't know. Boy, who do I want to see oh, on maybe, Spider-Man? Maybe Busick's going to, now that he's Ooh. not writing. Uh... Yeah. Boy. Music would be good. You know who I really want to see on Spider-Man? Who? Oh, now I can't remember her name and I feel like a jerk. Who writes Lumberjanes? Is that Kate Lath? Well, it's one of two, several people that write Lumberjanes, but yes, Kate is one of them. Uh, the I other like one, uh, let me see if I can find it really quick. Doop, 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 doop. It is Kate Lath. I don't know how you say her last name. And Shannon Waters. Are the two yeah. who write the Lumberjanes books. Get them in there mm-hmm. and have your artist be um, 
Oh, who is that cat with the uh, thing and the does the with the beak top top cat <laughs> top hat? What's his name? Snagglepuss. No, he does. Shut up. There is oh now I can't remember the guy's name. He does. That's a friend I'm looking and what I can does he picture, do. I can Raphael picture his heart in my head. It's not Raphael Albuquerque, but I do like Raphael Albuquerque. Um, uh, Daniel Acuna. Oh yeah, that'd be interesting. The guy who does uh, what American Vampire is that what he did? I don't remember. Uh, I know Acuna did. Uh, oh, Albuquerque did. That's right, 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 right. Yeah. Acuna did a run on um, just recently. Well, recently well, he's doing in the last some four. stuff. Yeah, on, he's like, doing a, some on stuff with Marvel, Avengers. right? Yeah, and he has this really amazing kind of clean, almost animation line that I just love so very, 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 very much. Or you know who would be good? Al Ewing. Hmm. who has been writing the crap out of 70% of the Avengers franchise since 2013. Yeah. I would love to see Ewing or maybe Jim Zub over there. That would be good. The last thing that um, Daniel did was Civil War II number eight. Daniel March of 2017. Yeah, yeah. He also did Avenger Standoff, Assault Uh on Pleasant Hill Omega, Sam Wilson, Captain America with Nick Spencer and Mike Choi. Um, is Spencer writing anything right now? I know he's he off of is, Captain America. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing right now, and he's kind of a. Oh, I know who they should get. Who? They should get uh, Aguirre Sakasa to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be awesome. Unfortunately, Aguirre Sakasa is super busy, yeah. and we'd have like four episodes of four issues of Spider Man over the next 10 years. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would be interested to see what our listeners think. You can head over to Majorspoilers.com and in the comments section, uh, chat it up. Tell us uh, what your thoughts are on Dan Slott leaving The Amazing Spider-Man. If you follow Dan's uh, Twitter feed, you know that a lot of people are glad that he's gone. Uh, A lot of people are sad that he's gone. Uh, But then also in your comment section, you can share your thoughts on who you would like to see come in and do Amazing Spider-Man next. I think it's going to be really cool. Uh, with uh, Dan Slott over there on Iron Man, if he can bring in Humberto Ramos to do uh, some Iron Man work and see some big old rubbery iron suits. Yeah, that'll yeah. be cool. That would not be cool. Listeners, that would be the opposite of cool. Giant, giant Iron that Man feats. Luak. Yeah, he he would give like Iron Man like Mega Man feet. Yeah, he would. Ooh. It'd be awesome. No, actually... I take that back. I would like to see Iron Man with Mega Man feet. Yep. Uh, listeners, if you're going to be making any purchases in the next couple of weeks, hey, Valentine's Day is coming up. Maybe you're going to make a little uh, special purchase for someone special. Uh, use the link over at Majorspoilers.com to go over to Amazon.com because, I mean, really, that's where we're buying everything these days. But you click on that link at Majorspoilers.com and you make your purchase. Doesn't matter what it is. When you make that purchase, a little bit comes back our way, and then we're able to keep the lights on and keep this show going for you week after week. That's the Amazon.com link over at Majorspoilers.com. I will jump into some reviews now. Oh, we're going through this week's episode. Uh, Blue Beetle number 17, out this week from uh, DC Comics. Here's what I'll say about it. Um, This continues on the the crazy uh, time traveling, not really aliens, but using alien technology type stuff. It's... Interesting, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Secret identities are found out. Breakups occur. Uh, Blue Beetle finally, or, or Jaime, really puts his, his mind uh, to work and, and finally, finally does the things that uh, Ted Cord has told him to do all this time. But the way that he kind of takes down the bad guy, I don't know. It just seemed kind of anticlimactic, to be honest with you. 
And I've seen Scott Collins art before. And generally I, I like his stuff, but here maybe just cause I was reading a review copy and some of the double page stuff was split over a couple of pages, you know, split over a couple of, uh, different page up page downs on our digital reviews mm-hmm. just kind of seemed chaotic. And I guess that's what you want to do if you're fighting some crazy, uh, you know, half man, half monster, uh, scientist who's manipulating time. Maybe that's what you want to do. But sometimes I couldn't tell who the characters were. And sometimes things seemed a little bit too scratchy and too out of control. So I really wasn't a huge fan of the art. I wasn't really a fan of how the story wrapped up, considering that I was been reading this the last couple of issues. Um, This was just a so-so book for me. Still, it's Blue Beetle. So that's a plus there. I'm going to give it three slices of meatloaf out of five. Um, and I'm only doing that because it is the final issue in that arc. And, uh, I think it's worth checking out just so you can see the, uh, the part, part where, um, uh, Jaime and the, um, and his girlfriend have their, their final discussion with one another. Other than that, uh, kind of, I don't know, kind of left me cold. That's, let's just put it that way. Does Jaime still have freaky bug eyes that peer into your very soul? <laughs> yeah, on the suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's the, definitely the uh, Batman Brave and the Bold costume. Rebirth Blue Beetle has freaky bug eyes that yeah. peer into my very soul, and I have trouble reading it. It hurts my heart. Yeah, I'm just yeah, like, yeah. uh it, It's still, I still me, like. Beetle. I really do like Blue Beetle. I don't know if this is. I'm pretty sure Blue Beetle continues uh, after this. Yeah. Um, but this, if this were the final issue of the series, I'd be okay with that too. So there you go. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for us this week? This week I have, uh, the Harcourt legacy number three, which is, yep. It is a comic book from action lab. Danger zone. Danger zone. Is so, that, do you do you want ants, Rodrigo? Yeah, I know. Because okay. that's that's how we get ants. Uh, so, um, as you may or may not be aware, Action Lab has sort of two separate imprints, I guess. Uh, the Standard Action Lab and then Action mm-hmm. Lab Danger Zone, which is Danger Zone is everything that's not for kids. So right. more more legacy. Stuff. Yeah, Hardcore Legacy is not a risque book. It's not a violent book, um, at least not this issue. I jumped into this issue without really knowing that it was the last issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have much of a previously on, but from context, you can pretty much get what's been going on. Plus, it has some like um, inked pages from previous issues, so you can like figure out more stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um I guess, yeah. So, um, Harcourt Legacy is the story of a young woman who may be the heir to a magical family um, and may stand to gain significant magical powers, but it all kind of hinges on her decisions um, as to whether she's sort of going to choose a more mundane life that might be happier or a more uh, problematic life where she can like hex people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, this is the last issue and I was surprised and how kind of 
straightforward the ending is. I don't want to say it's anticlimactic, but in a book that has maybe been teasing a lot of magic, um, basically the ending comes down to our protagonist has to make a decision. Then, you know, through much thought and deliberation and speaking with several different characters, she comes to that decision and that's it. The the antagonistic force really doesn't have much of an ability to stop her from making that decision. And the book ends and you kind of get a like happily, at least for now, kind of ending with, you know, except for the uh, the parties that were sort of thrown out of whack because of this decision, mm-hmm. which, again, is interesting. I, I really expected like a, a, you know, some sort of like zapping battle, like somebody to turn into a oh, turtle yeah, yeah. and then. Yeah. They're like a crocodile, and then they try to bite him, and they turn into a turtle. I mean, that's what that's what I've been conditioned to expect out of magical uh, mm-hmm. stories with with feuding wizards. So the fact that this was kind of a like, well, this person has made a decision, and now everybody has to run with it. Um, you know, it, it was different. It's not bad. It's just different. Cool. Um, I really like the art. Um, it's uh, Jason Fetterhen who I was not, I'm not really familiar with, but uh, he brings like really great dynamism to what is largely an issue of people talking and driving and being sad and, you know, like talking to each other about important things. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. This is, this is an artist that again, I was not aware of, but, I think I'm going to make it a point to go out and, and find more stuff by him. Cool. Um, altogether, I am going to give this four slices of meatloaf. Um, cool. I, I'm probably going to also go back and try to dig up the uh, the previous issues as cool. well. Awesome. Uh, just a real quick follow up. I did look. Uh, Blue Beetle 17 is not the last issue. But issue next issue is the last is issue. the last issue. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, this uh, going back, I could still say that this issue could have been the last issue, but I think yeah. there's probably Blue a Beetle. few dangling sw- threads to, to wrap up. Blue Beetle and Superwoman are both getting the ax. I want to say with the yeah. uh, next issue. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. Matthew, what do you have for us this week? I got a comic about Avengers. It's Avengers number 676, part two of the Giants Massive Smassive crossover. So are you guys familiar with the Giants Massive Smassive Avengers crossover? No. I don't know what a Smassive Smassover is, but please fill me in. Well, first of all, there's no need to be condescending. There are four. <laughs> okay, so there are three monthly Avengers titles right now. Mm-hmm. U.S. Avengers, uh, mm-hmm. Avengers, uh, Avengers, Avengers, and then there's Uncanny Avengers, which is the team that's half Avengers, half uh, mutants from the X-Men and the Human Torch for some reason. Yeah. And they are all crossing <laughs> over. Four. Yeah. No. And the writers of those books, uh, Wade, Ewing, and Zub, have all come together to write a weekly crossover. It's called Avengers No Surrender. Mm -hmm. And this issue has in it a beautiful, beautiful moment that I love. And it comes together around a character that I want to hate. So here's the deal. If you've not been paying attention, this is not a spoiler. I'm going to tell you. There is a founding Avenger that you don't know about, and her name is Voyager. Oh, right, right. 
And the universe is now in a weird place. Earth has been stolen, and most of the Avengers are frozen in space and time. So the team that is left uh, are Cannonball, the Red Hulk, Sunspot, Hercules, Thor, the Falcon, Rogue, Doctor Voodoo, the Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye. And they are now met by Voyager, who is a character who was lost in time, space, and dimension. And this issue tells us the story of Avengers history featuring Voyager, including flashback sequences in the appropriate art styles. So we see the Avengers' first mission. Yeah. Yeah. We see the mission where she names the team. We see the part where Quicksilver talks about how wonderful it was that she stuck around as the only founding member when everyone else quit and Cap's kooky quintet became the new Avengers and the story of all of these things that happened. And then we find out where she disappeared during the first crossover with the Squadron Supreme. Uh Oh, you know who the the Squadron Supreme is, right? She went to the DC Mm. universe, right? Better. Do you remember about 25 years ago, the zero hour crossover where we found out that the justice league actually had a founding member who was lost in time. Yeah. What's his name? And Victory? his name was no, it was triumph triumph. That's it. Yeah. 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 Triumph had electromagnetic powers in this issue. We see the showing up of the squadron Supreme who are totally not the justice league, including mm. their founding member victory, the electromagnetic man. Victory and Voyager get into a fight. Their fight ends with the two of them being erased from the time stream. Wow. So they've actually kind of sort of made this a reference to a 25-year-old DC book. And Voyager was actually literally thrown outside of time and space. Mm-hmm. Or so it seems. I think there's something else more going on here. Do you, do you, like, we, that? Do you like that flashback thing where here's a character you've never heard of that's always been around? Because I've heard some other, I I was listening to another show and they really hated this. Here's the thing. It is common. It's not super common, but I can tell you that most of the major comic book super teams have done this. There are three different Legionnaires to whom this has happened. Uh, There is Triumph. I'm sure I'm almost, there's an X-Man whose name is Forget Me Not whose power is that everyone forgets him when they're not looking directly at them, including the reader. So when he does show up, we see him going, yeah, you remember during the mutant massacre when I was totally there, you guys looked away and now right. I'm not anymore. This is a relatively common bit. And I don't think that it's any yeah, I worse. I mean, the sentry than... is. Yeah. 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 That's did it. Uh, what else? Like blue Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. Blue Marvel was a, a, a red corrective continuity of a character which like, Oh yeah, he was totally there all along. When this happens, it's no different than, you know, a kid transforming into a full size guy being the same rift that we saw on captain Marvel in 1940. It's just, it's a trope. It's a tool. Um, the way that it's handled here is really well done. I love Ewing. I really enjoy Wade. Zub is a guy who his plotting is intricate and perfect. And I'm just like, yes, go. I don't know who did what in this issue. I will say that it feels more Ewing than anything else. But even that is, I mean, this is clearly all three writers working together because they're credited as co-writers. And then, of course, when the aliens show up and start using the Earth as the proving grounds for their alien fighty fighty, 
and then there's reference to the Grandmaster. I'm like, oh my god, are we getting a contest on Infinite Earths revamp? What is going on here? And the crossover so far has been successful for me for two reasons. Even though my brain says, I understand that the writer made this call, in the first issue of the crossover, there are like 45 active Avengers. Two-thirds of them were suddenly caught in a time vortex and can't move. Mm-hmm. So we have a tenable, well, tenable is probably not the right word. We have a small team of 13 or 14 Avengers from various teams who now have to come together. And it features some of the big jerks and the wild cards and the hard to manage people. And it features your Quicksilvers and your Hawkeyes and your guys who are going to be loose cannons. And it feels like an Avengers book in the, the realm of, you know, all of a sudden everybody quits. Captain America has these three evil mutants. And now these are the Avengers, you guys. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like the crossover has right kind of mystery behind it. They're giving us little bits and pieces of information. I don't think that Voyager is exactly what Voyager claims to be. And I think that people that are focused on, oh, well, there was that Avenger X story that Wade did several years ago that was basically this. I feel like communism is a red herring, you guys. And we cannot be sure that that's actually Mr. Body. That may be the darkness that tried to kill Mia Sarah and Tom Cruise in the other movie. And if you understood that reference... I love you and you are my friend. So this is well drawn. This is well written. It features yet again, the Avengers mansion exploding for like the 150th time. It makes me sad. What are you going to do? Uh, the, a key plot point hinges on the fact that the Falcon can communicate with birds telepathically. And that is wonderful. Old school kind of crazy plotting that, is and isn't and then is and isn't in continuity and people are like yeah well he can't do that anymore that was stupid no not anymore here kids everything that ever happened in the avengers is totally canon and these three writers are going to make it into something new and also there's another girl on the team in the founding incarnation which frankly i'm perfectly fine with i'm going to go with four slices of meatloaf for this it could end badly keep in mind that i am the person who, when reading the first issue of Age of Ultron, went, you know, this has potential. Something good could happen here. And it turned out that Age of Ultron was just a big bag of stinky poop. So I could be wrong, but I like this issue. This is a solid issue, and I do recommend it. Plus, Living Lightning is back. Yay. Yeah. Who may be the only Hispanic Avenger. If I'm not mistaken, it's either him and Firebird, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Firebird, that's pretty much the only two. I'm hoping that this means that Living Lightning, or he's now just going by Lightning, may actually be back in the Avengers fold for realsies, which would be great. That's too bad, because I like the name Living Lightning. It's a good name, but he actually says in character that he kept getting confused with the Living Laser, Mm -hmm. and the Living Laser is terrible, and he doesn't want to be associated with that. It makes sense. Yeah, it's a nice move. If you follow Jim Zub on his Patreon page... Uh, he is actually sharing the scripts to these issues after they come out. Uh, so the one that he has shared was um, issue 675, part one. Mm-hmm. And he does say that this is version 5.1 of the script. And he also mm-hmm. goes through and he gives you a breakdown of who wrote which pages. And this is truly a collaborative oh. thing. Like I can tell you on pages uh, in issue 675, pages one through three were Al Ewing. 
Uh, four mm-hmm. through six were Mark Wade, seven through nine, Jim Zub, uh, 10 through 13, Mark Wade, 14 through 17, Jim Zub. And they just, they each take about three pages, three to four pages each uh, nice. to get through the entire issue. So it's really a uh, hand it off, hand it off, hand it off. And I'd have to go back in and look at the actual script and the issue to see nice. if it's like you're taking these scenes and all these scenes tie together. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, this is a, a good collaboration when I, when they're actually doing it this way, as opposed to uh, some other collaborative pieces where it's like, okay, this yeah. person came up with the idea, this person fleshed right. it out. And then this person went in and, and or, fixed all of the errors in both or, continuity and everything else. Old school X-Men style where you have an overarching plot, but every individual creative team does what they want within those things. Right, so right. you get weird right. crap. I will say this about Zub. Zub and I are friends psychically because Zub always says that he loved the Marvel Universe handbooks as a kid. That was my way into the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. I would not remember half the crap that I remember if 13-year-old me didn't pick up a copy of the Marvel Universe handbook and go, what's all this, man? Yeah. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know. Cool. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Rodrigo. Uh, Listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com and you can check out even more reviews over there. I did mention Patreon. Oh, man, we have a very in-depth, heated discussion uh, this week for Mm -hmm. our patron listeners uh, talking talking about uh, the end of Astro City and what comes next, as well as anthology series and um, the conspiracy behind digital comics. It's all over at uh, Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. Uh, go sign up. Every little bit helps and you get bonus content like, I don't know, it's about a 30 minute discussion, I want to say, maybe even longer uh, mm-hmm. about all that other stuff. So it's almost like a whole other episode right over there for you right now at Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. Uh, there is no Major Spoilers poll of the week this week because <gasps> when I was going to put the poll up on Sunday, I looked and the uh, favorite cover, which cover do you like most, was super, super mm-hmm. close. And I think it's still it's not as close as it was. It's kind of started to spread apart a little bit, but it has started mm. to narrow back down again uh, over the last couple of days. So which cover do you like most? Action Comics number one or Amazing Fantasy number 15? Currently, Action Comics number one sits at 46 percent and um, Amazing Fantasy number 15 sits at 54 percent. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, less than 10 percent separates these two. So. Fun times, fun times. So we're going to keep that up just another week because I want to make sure that if people want to head over to Majorspoilers.com, cast their vote in the Major Spoilers poll of the week, that their vote is counted because uh, we'll be kicking off a new bigger, better thing in uh, next week. So be on the lookout for that. Also, Major Spoilers poll of the week comes out on Sunday. So it's there so you can get a few early days of voting in. Mm -hmm. Um, Go do it now. Go do it now. Go do it now while we talk about Bat Manga. This is a crazy series. Oh my god. So here's here's this here's how this here's how this goes. Mm-hmm. Uh in nineteen sixty-six, the Batman mm-hmm. TV series that we all know and love was mm-hmm. also not only a big hit in the United States, but also in Japan. And yeah, so the yeah, the uh the Shonen magazine, Shonen King, and mm-hmm. its uh and its publisher decided that they wanted to license the rights to create their own Batman stories, and they for whatever reason, DC Comics was like, yeah, go ahead. Heck we'll yeah. license you to do Batman in your own way. And so the series ran from 66 to 67 in Japan. It mm-hmm. was never compiled into a volume format. It wasn't until 
uh, I don't remember what year it was. I, like I remember, yeah, I want to say like two thousand. This book in the nineties. Oh yeah, I'm sure a lot of people talk about it because you could find occasional issues here and there. Or you could find occasional pictures here and there. I mean, Lord Deathman right. is one of the uh, is one of the great yes. characters from the, from this series. Um, but uh, like Chip Kid had had a very serious uh, collection of this stuff. And he started to get in contact with uh, David Masicelli. I, I think that's how you say his last name, Masicelli. And found out that Kid had this huge collection. And they said, hey, why don't we go to DC Comics and see if they would let us create an entire volume of this stuff using the issues that Kid had. Now, Kid does not have an entire run. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, the original art for this stuff no longer exists. And when they Mm -hmm. went to Paul Levitz, Paul Levitz, who was, you know, knows all about DC Comics, was like, I had no idea this stuff existed. So here's an improbable thing that would probably never happen again, where you went to DC and said, hey, DC, we're a small country over here. How about you let us uh, do our own Batman? We'll license it from you. DC Mm -hmm. says, first of all, they sign off on that, which is the, the first big trigger. And then, you know, 30 years later, no one remembers that it happened and so you've well, got you've got Jiro um uh what is what is his how do you say his Jiro last name Kuwata. Kuwata you have Jiro Kuwata mm-hmm. who's just doing like whatever the heck he wants with Batman and it gets weird ladies and gentlemen Kuwata is the one who created eight man yeah and mm-hmm. he did um uh, common Keko common moonlight mask so at the time, Kuwata was basically the superhero guy in Japan, because in a lot of ways, you know, Moonlight Mask is one of the earliest Japanese heroes to get the, the wide play. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they gave this to Kuwata is just amazing to me. I'm familiar with Kuwata's work from other stuff, and I'm just like, <gasps> they collected this. So yeah. when you said, let's read the bat manga, I'm like, okay. Yeah, now I've reviewed, I think I reviewed the first arc or at least parts of it on the major spoiler site years ago when it first came out. Because originally they started doing this on digital and then they decided to collect it into the bot, uh, the physical uh, version of like this. 2014, I think, is when the digital started, isn't it? Yeah, so this is part black and white, a little bit of limited color in the way that they were putting this together. Mostly it's black and white. And the way they did it is they actually had to take the comics that uh, Chip Kid had. And um, just take photographs and clean it up as the best best they could, because, uh, hey, you don't have the original art. There's no way you can uh, do anything with it. Yeah. So I mentioned Lord Deathman, this man that can escape death. He's see, walking around in a skeleton. He's got a skeleton head. Uh, yep. Grant Morrison used Lord Deathman. The Batman, the Brave and the Bold series actually did a fantastic adaptation of this in one of their Batmite uh, episodes that is just so perfect that it, if it doesn't, if that animated issue didn't, uh, if that animated episode didn't have you wanting to track down these issues, go back and mm-hmm. watch it again and then come and read this stuff. Cause it is fantastic. Yeah. Deathman uh, in the actual, the original Batman comics was terrible. Mm-hmm. Nothing like this. And when, you know, when you see Lord Deathman as compared to how lame Deathman was in the books, it's just like, wow, it, it, it's fascinating to see this. And I'm going to argue with Steven in a couple of minutes, so stay tuned. But it's fascinating to see this and just see a take on Batman that is so different from anything especially oh, anything yeah. up to 1966. Oh, yeah. I mean, so the, the thing about this is 
Uh, this looks like 66 Batman does not look mm-hmm. anything like 66 Robin. It looks like your, I would say your, your traditional uh, manga, uh, young, young child uh, character. But all the other characters look like your traditional, you know, characters that you expect to see in a 1960s, early 70s manga uh, series. Yeah. Jero Kawada. And I look at Lord Deathman and I'm like, this this dude looks an awful lot like uh, the Shocker writers from Kamen Rider five years early. So it's fascinating to see this and wonder if somehow this book is incredibly influential in Japan, and we just never heard about it, it. It could be because this was very popular. But then, you know, in 1967, when the TV series went off the air, they were like, we're not making any more of these comics. So it must not have been popular enough, I guess, because the popularity of Batman fell off after the TV series left the air, that they didn't mm. think that this uh, series would continue. But, um, man, there's some crazy stuff in here. And, and and this is what makes it most fascinating. You've got Batman. You've got Robin. You've got the 66 Batmobile. And that's it. Forget yeah. everything you've ever known about Batman. And this is not hey, this is not like this is not Japanese Batman in Tokyo. This is Batman mm-hmm. in Gotham City dealing mm-hmm. with detectives, but he's dealing with weird scientists. He's dealing with Lord Deathman. He's dealing with uh, what's the Scarface's uh, guy's name? Um, the, uh, Dr. Dr. Faceless. Faceless. He's got Dr. Mm-hmm. Faceless in there, which is this yeah. guy. Professor that you could, Gorilla. Professor Gorilla has <laughs> got to be one of my ball. favorites. The I guy love that the has a rubber ball. suit. Yep. I mean, none of this. I mean, he, you could say, oh, this guy's kind of he uses he uses clues and tricks to tell Batman his next thing. So he's kind of like the Riddler. Um, uh, Mr. Faceless is kind of like uh, Two Face in, in some of his crimes, but yeah. it is not. Go, go. The wizard is totally weather wizard. Like 200. I mean, he's got some of the he's got some of the capabilities, but the costume is really different. The ones that got an electronic belt. The other one has a has like a ribbon wrapped a a scarf wrapped around him. Um, Yeah. So it's a little it's a little bit different, but I can see where you're coming from on on that, Matthew. But I would say I would not say that Jiro uh, took inspiration from or vice versa on that character. I honestly well, think that he's working in a in a semi vacuum and is just coming up with what happens if we put a giant gorilla in a superhero costume and he goes and fights Batman. I really like that costume. I, I did, yes. too. It is really it's kind of like it's kind of like a cross between Space Ghost and um, one of the Herculoids. Yeah, the Herculoids. It- yeah, it's got, uh, if you remember, like, the ape spirits from Princess Mononoke, it's got mm-hmm. kind of that vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's just wonderful. And throughout the issue, you know, you said it's not remastered, remastered, and I get that. But this book is, even in black and white, even in not the best transfer state, where you're mm-hmm. like... This one looks like it may have been photocopied a little bit too much or the original pages were badly damaged. You still look at it and just the power in every panel, the the layouts, the breakdowns of just like this man is excellent at comics. Mm-hmm. This this yeah. artist yeah. is just utterly amazing. And the stuff that he's doing, first of all, it does read uh, right to left which took me about four pages to figure out, even though it's clearly labeled. Yeah. And the other thing is they do really make this clearly labeled in, in so far as they actually put numbers in the uh, boxes. So, you know, which one to read. 
Yes, so that you don't get lost, which is so helpful and so useful. But as you go through this, it's just amazing to look at the storytelling and the layouts on every page. Mm-hmm. There's In that first story, the first Lord Deathman story, there's a bit where Batman and Robin are climbing down the side of a building. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, that's that's something that you see in every episode almost of the 66 Batman. But this is so different and so amazing and so beautiful with the the flipping and the jumping and the glaven. I'm just yeah. like, "Oh, I want uh, to marry this comic." I do. <laughs> well, maybe you can once they pass that and make it legal in Kansas. Uh, uh of these stories, Lord Deathman and the man who was it called the man who no longer wanted to be human the man who stopped being human the man who stopped being who human stopped being human are my two yeah. favorite stories cuz here's this guy that turns into one of these giant 1960s aliens carrying the girl around yeah. it's really kind of cool um, he looks kind of like the faceless hunter from saturn yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Is, is is the person at the beginning of that arc the writer like the author Let's see. You know, there's a guy at the beginning of it who's like, oh, what will evolved forms of humans be like? Oh, right, right. This? Like this? No, of course not, you idiot. They'll look like this monster. (laughs) I think it might be, yeah. That's funny. Oh, my God. I think you're right. Yeah, Yeah. that's supposed to be Kuwata. Could be. I don't know what Kuwata looks like. I've never seen any pictures. There's no picture on his wiki page or anything like that. But I do, I mean, you know the art. If you've ever seen any 8-Man, um, and 8-Man actually was uh, sort of transliterated as Tobor the 8th Man when Stephen and I were kids in the mid-70s. So I remember, so I know Thomas Perkins loves himself some 8-Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, I mean, you look at this, and this is clearly that same design and that same kind of you know storytelling. Yeah, I think that is meant to be him. What would they look like? Ha ha, no, you're an idiot. I love you. <laughs> Yeah, I love you, Jiro what, what What story did you like the most, Matthew? The Human Ball. Okay. Yeah, this is this, this crazy guy. story about this guy. Go ahead. He's got the okay. So he's got a suit made of rubber, and in his first appearance, he's standing on a building and he falls off a building, and everybody's like, "Oh no, he's about to die!" And he hits the the concrete and he bounces, and I'm just like, "Oh, cool, bouncing boy in Japan." But the human ball and Batman start fighting and fighting and fighting, and they try to use science against him. Mm-hmm. Batman is like, well, it, it's his elastic suit should be susceptible to extreme cold. And I'm like, that almost feels like Gardner Fox levels of yeah, yeah. you know cleverness in that story. And then they trick him, and they freak him out a different way, and they end up breaking his suit. It's just... Throughout that whole sequence, I was just like, this is so cool. And every yeah. time he would leap around and bounce, it just oh, looks yes. so. And, and of course, the fact that his laugh is written on the page is. Wah, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the I like the the bat copter, which looks like a giant flying saucer with propellers mm-hmm. on top and these these lights coming out on three sides. Yes. Again, save for the Batmobile and Batman. Yep. There is this feels like. A Batman, I mean, it's a Batman you've never seen before. It feels like a, and again, it is a foreign Batman. It just feels new and fresh and exciting. Yeah, it's like, it's the very, it's like the most rarest of unicorns. Right. A legal bootleg. Yes. The point where Robin gets 
hissy and takes off in the Batmobile to <laughs> run the human ball down. Yeah. <clears throat> and it, it looks like 10 year old Robin racing through Gotham, running over the villain <laughs> and then failing because the villain is in a giant rubber suit. And then they get into this flight battle across the rooftops and Robin is swinging and saving himself at the last second. I've never seen this kind of aerial, you know, nonsense, this kind of beautiful leaping and jumping around in American comics. Yeah. By the way, I've decided that bad manga Robin is my Robin. Yes. <laughs> like I, there's just I, yeah. it might just be that when looking at an old school Japanese comic and I see like a young, dark haired boy, I'm like, well, obviously that's the protagonist. Right. right. Yeah. Um, but pretty, but also. He's like he is. He's like mouthy, but also he's like a big hype man for both Batman and Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. He's like Bruce Wayne will be like, "Well, we should do this," and he's like, he'll like turn around and talk to people. He's like, "Bruce Wayne is the best, you guys." Yeah, <laughs> like who invited this kid? Shut up. Yeah, and, and Batman gets hurt, just vaguely hurt, and he's like, "I'll avenge you. I'll capture the human ball myself." And he just runs off into the night, yeah. steals the Batmobile, and Batman's like, "Oh, that kid needs to calm down." Yeah, yeah. Like, one of the best panels is a Batman like looking at like at he as Robin is leaving. He's like, "That whippersnapper's gone," or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Rodrigo, did you have a favorite? Did you have a favorite story in this? I liked. The I kind of liked all of them for different reasons. Like, I think the best one is the Lord Deathman story mm-hmm. uh, because it's the most different from what you would. It, it's like it does feel like a Batman story. And there's, there's this like very low level pseudo mysticism to it. But it's still kind of accomplished by mundane means. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Lord Deathman is a very threatening, uh, bad guy whose like death plans have to go exactly the right way. Yeah. Um, if you compare that to the, the, uh, Dr. Faceless is like his plan was the stupidest. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Stupidest thing <laughs> yes. ever written. It's like halfway through, he's like, ah, but secretly, although I'm now in jail, I'm not Dr. Such and such. I'm actually a thief. And it's like, what good does that do you? You're in jail, dude. (laughs) It's like just throughout this whole thing, like they just keep explaining things. It's like, ah, well, this will work because of this. And I'm like, no, no, it won't. Yeah. Like that's not that's not how anything works in any (laughs) country. Why would that work? You know, it's It's like not even like the like the crazy pseudoscience thing. It's like, oh, his this guy bouncing person's costume is made out of a rubber and thin metal alloy. I'm like, sure, why, why not? <laughs> you know, but it's like everything in Doctor Faceless is just like pure nonsense. Like they came up with this villain, and they just kind of didn't know what to do with him. He just runs around shooting statues. Like he never harms another person. Oh, I know. He's like, I'm gonna like, climb up on the side of this mountain and uh, shoot a machine gun at Batman's face. Yeah, yeah. Batman statue face, not even yeah. an actual Batman like face. A, a Batman face on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. And then I think the most DC Comics one is the one where like a guy is like, I'm going to get all of the powers of all the animals. Oh, no. Now a gorilla is controlling me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if that's not a DC <laughs> comic story, I don't know right? what is. See, the weird thing exactly. is, I mean, there is a book. I also have this book called The History of Bat, Bat Manga. 
And it really kind of goes into a little bit more detail of, um, you know, how this came about and, and the Batman craze of the 1960s in Japan. But there is nothing that really says, hey, these people at DC were talking with these people in, in Japan to make sure yeah. that this book did this, this and this. And they had to get oh, approvals yeah. because no. when you read this, you can you can clearly see no one was giving any approvals on anything. It's just like, hey, whatever you guys want to do with it, go do it. No one in America is ever going to see this. And that is the biggest shame about this book is that for 30, 40 years, no one, well, no one had seen this in, in, a, in it, a mass form. It is and it isn't because um, Batman is DC's biggest property and they are weirdly touchy about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that if bad manga had been more popular or had had more of a connection to the United States, they would have moved to bury it yeah. rather than, you know, if, if nobody cared, then it was free to sort of float around until it was rediscovered. You know, I, I worry that the same cartel that is like, Oh, you know, Batman shouldn't sit down. Batman, you know, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, doesn't eat. Batman nachos. stands and crouches and never exactly. has a burrito. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we I, are I'm reading, worried if that said got a hold of it. We are reading Batman, uh, the Jiro uh, Kuwata Bat Manga Collection, Volume One. That's the first 19 chapters. There are three volumes of this, uh, all available on Comicsology for like 11 bucks, 12 bucks. Yeah, and this is like 300 pages. Yeah. Of wow. This yeah. is definitely drop what you're doing. Get over to Comixology. I wish we had an affiliate account, but get over to Comixology and rush right um, out in a buying frenzy. Buy these friends. bot manga collections. They're fantastic. And even if you just want a sampler, uh, the very first issue, part one of mm-hmm. um of the Lord Deathman is available for 99 cents. Just get that single issue if you want to. Because the yeah. Lord Deathman is uh, spread out over like three issues, I want to say three or four issues. Mm. Um, spend three bucks and just get the Lord Deathman stuff. And if you're not hooked by by that, then you know Rodrigo's uh, recounting of uh, Gorilla Man mm. and Matthew's love of of For not Weather Wizard. Or, thank you. <laughs> uh, should convince you then to get the rest of the series. You should. And here's the thing. And that's Rodrigo's catchphrase, and so I owe you five dollars. Oh, good. It's actually, right. uh, it's actually Scroll Brian's catchphrase. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. We both owe Scroll Brian like five dollars. The thing about this book, and you know, when on this show we talk about things, and they say, "Well, what about this and that and that?" And people say, "What are you a fan of?" I'm a fan of comics, and there is nothing as exhilarating as finding comics that are unique and fascinating in their own way. And they're not like anything you've ever seen before. Even, you know, I have not read a lot of eight man. I will grant you this, but even the eight man that I have read, even the stuff that came out of Japan that I have read from that same time period, isn't quite like this. This is a weird synthesis of Batman being universal and the tropes of Japanese manga kind of fitting really well into this weirdly dark story and taking characters that are familiar but absolutely aren't familiar by the way i love love kuwata's bat ears (laughs) because they kind of look vaguely fox-like yeah 
and then you think about it. Oh yeah, what is the fox like? You know, what does the fox say in Japan? You know, you have that moment of oh right, that's kind of neat. But most importantly, when you look at Bruce Wayne in this, he looks like Speed Racer, and that yeah. right there is the price of admission. Yeah, Rodrigo, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, like I said, the the glorious thing about this is that it is like a legal bootleg. It's mm. just it it just really feels like a kid got like a kid's dad went to the United States, brought back these like Batman and Robin action figure, and all they had were like Kamen Rider and like weird plastic Godzillas and all these other things around, and that's what they were playing with, and it just creates this completely bonkers Batman experience that was very mm-hmm. enjoyable for me. So mm-hmm. I, I would definitely recommend that uh, if you're not too serious about your Batman, then definitely check out the Bad Manga Volume 1. Which is interesting because this is both serious and not serious. I mean, the Lord Death oh, Man yeah. series is yeah, like yeah, super yeah. dark, but at the same time, it's like Silver Age Batman. Yeah, yes. it is. It's it. This comic takes itself very seriously. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes that is to its detriment. And sometimes it's great because, you know, it's like it's it's earnest. It's not there's nothing ironic about this Batman. Mm-hmm. It is all of the wacky things that you see and all of the cool things that you see are done completely earnestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the major spoilers experience. We're going to be back next week to visit an old friend from long ago. Lock and key, because we know that you love comics. We do, too. And we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your face if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care if they bring back Craven. This podcast is copyright 2018 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.